Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks podcast, the DFS edition. We're going through this week's BMW Championship. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He's Len Hochberg from RotoWire. And as we do every week, we'll break down every tier on DraftKings this week, looking at DFS plays for our second FedEx Cup playoff event. Plus, we'll make our very own lineup in just a little bit. Len, what's going on? How are you? Uh, I am doing well, Jason. Very excited. Uh, very pumped after yesterday, after Sunday's finish. It was it was a great finish to the tournament. I guess it was looking a little dicey for big names for, for three days there. But uh, And I just thought TPC Southwind was just a perfect playoff course. You know, 15 under, not a birdie fest, not like a major where you're you know, three under, six under, birdie chances, plenty of water, aggressiveness there, caution someplace else. I'm very happy with that course and look forward to it next year. Yeah, I was out there for the first part of the week. I came back Friday, didn't stay for the whole weekend. But no, it's it's a tremendous course. Um, it was a really good uh, playoff. It was as wild a playoff as we've seen in a long time with uh, uh, second playoff all. Zalatoris off the cart path, almost OB. Straka just barely over the water. That sounds like you and I playing match play, not these two guys. And then uh, one hits in the water, the other one hits on top of the rock wall, and Zalatoris winds up uh, making a bogey to win on the third extra hole. So a lot of crazy stuff happening in that one. We expect more craziness this week. And as we get into our picks here, I know you always like talking game theory, Len. So break down some game theory for us, 68 players in the field as the time we're speaking right now on Monday afternoon. Cameron Smith has withdrawn from the field. He's got a quote-unquote hip discomfort issue going on, and so uh, it's been bothering him for a while, he said. And so, uh, yeah, what better time than the penultimate event of the entire season to rest up and get ready for the Tour Championship, I suppose. And then Tommy Fleetwood, uh, much as he did last week, he will not be playing this week. We're down to 68 players. No cut this week, and so what are we looking at as far as game theory, especially with a, a field this big with no cut? How do you want to play it? 
Yeah, well, we also have to factor in that uh, this is a new course, Wilmington Country Club in Wilmington, Delaware, the first PGA Tour event ever in Delaware, from what I read. Every state should get one at some point, don't you think? Uh, it seems, seems only fair. But, you know, on first glance, and, and this course has not been used in any big-time professional event. It's hosted some, some fairly significant amateur events, ju- mid-amateur, junior amateur, U.S. amateur, but nothing really recently. The last thing of consequence was the 2013 Palmer Cup. Justin Thomas happened to have played in that. I don't think that really factors into anything here, but it just speaks to the unknown of this course. So the first thing I see when I see this course, par 71, over 7,500 yards. Oh my gosh, uber long. Just then you start looking and there's a 634 yard hole and you go, oh my gosh. And then you see there's one longer and there's it's 649. So two incredibly long par fives. And then you see there are three par fours that are 490 and over. And Par threes over 200, including 234. So it looks incredibly long. Okay, distance, distance, distance. But no, there are a lot of short holes as well. I should say, sort of a typical northeast tree-lined parkland course, not too much water, four holes. But there are eight par fours under 450. There's nothing between 450 and 490. We don't see that in today's modern game, that really void there. So I originally thought, I got to go for distance, guys. But actually, I think this course is open to even the shorter hitters. One other thing of consequence, enormous, enormous greens. Last week, 4,300 square feet. This one almost double, 8,100 square feet. I think Kapalua, the only other larger one. That sort of tells me that I can discount scrambling. You're going to get greens and regulation going to be good. You're going to get on the green. It might change some things for some scramblers who aren't good scramblers. Huh. I wonder who that could be. Um, The wheels are (laughs) turning already. Look, I know very little about Wilmington Country Club, Len. I'm getting some Caves Valley vibes. Of course, Caves Valley in Maryland hosted this event a year ago. All we heard in the days leading up was, man, this place is a monster ballpark. This place is really long. 27 under, won it last year as uh, Patrick Cantley got into a playoff with Bryce DeChambeau, and there were a ton of guys that were more than 20 under par. Uh, There was a lot of birdies to be had on that one. Length is never much of an issue. The PGA Tour has a reputation for setting up golf courses, new courses that they haven't played in the past, They err on the side of caution, and so don't be surprised if this one, even though it's playing north of 7,500 yards, also, like like Caves Valley last year, turns into a little bit of a birdie fest. So let's start looking at some names. Number one player uh, on the DraftKings board this week, Cam Smith at 10,700. Don't take Cam Smith. Whatever you do, don't play him. You're wasting a lot of money. I think that's a bad idea. At a no-cut event where everyone else is going to be playing four rounds, playing a guy who's uh, out with a hip injury, probably not a good idea. So let's look at the top top of the board. I'm going to take you through the uh, not only the five-digit players, since there are only four of them, but we'll go all the way through the 9,000s, include everybody together in one tier. Rory McIlroy starts it at 10-5, followed by John Rahm at 10-3, Justin Thomas at 10-1, Will Zalatoris, the recent winner at 10,000, Patrick Cantley, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Matt Fitzpatrick, 
Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, Victor Hovland, Sung J.M., and Tom Kim rounds it out just at 9000 Where are you looking in that range, Len? I have to start by saying when I saw the prices, I saw Cam Smith at number one. Okay, could see that. But then you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys to get to Scotty Scheffler. I was wondering if I clicked on a wrong link, if I looked to like a Thursday showdown for, for one round. But I don't know what happened to Scotty Scheffler in one week. Yeah, he missed the cut, but I'm really dumbfounded by this at, at only 9,800. 9, that doesn't mean I'm going to take him, but I, I just don't know what happened in the span of one week that he went from number two on the board behind McElroy to number uh, seven behind some other guys who didn't necessarily do anything last week. I do like Justin Thomas this week. You know, one of the things I'm looking at this week is – you know, I think you will need to make some putts. I think you will need to be a good putter when the greens are this big. But one of the stats I'm looking at is three-putt avoidance. The opportunity for three-putting on these greens is greater than just about any other greens. So anyway, Thomas had a pretty good week last week, tied for 13th, 58th and three-putt avoidance. That doesn't sound great, but it's better than most guys on the tour. Tony Finau, I think it's time to say he's just playing well. He's on a heater. He was fifth last week. One of the better putters from outside 25 feet as I started to did do a deep dive into putting stats as well. Xander Shoffley is a guy I like. Morikawa really showed himself last week. Boy, watching him putt is, I don't know, it, it's watching like brain surgery or something. You just hope like nothing goes wrong where just mm. somebody does moves one thing the wrong way and it was kind of and and the sort of aforementioned guy I like, Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland back on my radar. I think this this sets up nicely for him. It takes out his one huge, huge blind spot, trouble spot, ninety two hundred dollars. And Cam Young, I'm gonna hold off on Cam Young. I see he's eighty nine. I'm done at the nines right there. All right, I'm going to kick things off with uh, John Rahm, who's essentially second on the board since Cam Smith isn't playing at 10-3. Uh, I think I liked what I saw from Rahm last week, and quite honestly, it, it was sort of like his B-plus performance. Never looked at John Rahm throughout the four days last week and said, boy, he's playing some great golf, watch out. It was sort of like John Rahm's playing pretty well, and all of a sudden he finishes in a share of fifth place, and you're like, if he just gets it going a little bit more, it was good tee to green, very good tee to green. Uh, around the greens and on the greens, he was very neutral. If that putter at some point gets lukewarm, doesn't need to get hot, get lukewarm, and John Rom can go win a golf tournament, I think it could happen this week. So I do like him. Will Zalatoris, look, at this point, we talk about playing with house money. He is playing with house money, essentially going into this one. Coming off his first career victory, I, I don't think he backs off the gas pedal at all, and I expect this to be another good week for him. Maybe not a win, but for DFS purposes, I would like to have some Will Zalatoris investment this week. Tony Finau, you mentioned, he's just playing really well. Not much to uh, really break down and analyze there. Xander Schauffele, I think, is very interesting. We all know his history on smaller field, no-cut events. Tends to play really well in these things. I also think that based on the fact that the PGA Tour schedule, the way it's set up, Len, there are very few times during the year would we see the best of the best playing a few weeks in a row? And so the fact that everyone's playing a few weeks in a row, I think for DFS purposes, there's going to be a lot of recency bias. And I think some of the players didn't necessarily have their best stuff last week in Memphis are going to have lower ownership. Xander Shoffley for me is one of those guys that 
might have lower ownership. I think 57th place last week. He was 18th or better in his seven previous starts. I'm not jumping ship on Xander. Same thing for Colin Morcow, my favorite play on the board last week. Fifth place, you mentioned the putter. Not great. Missed a six-footer and, and a three-footer down the stretch on Sunday, but still, the ball striking's tremendous. I, I think he's at some point here going to get a win, and I'm still banking on him going back to that this week, and then I'll round things out with Sung J.M., who I really like a lot. He's been second, second, 12th in his last three starts, really coming on strong. If there is a correlation to last year, he finished in third place at this event at Caves Valley. So maybe there's something to that. How about the 8,000s, Len? Yeah, you know, I mean, we we ripped off a lot of guys in the nines and tens, and I think they're, the winner is somewhere in there. It kind of falls off pretty sharply for me into the eights and stuff. There's so many weeks where where we just have a balanced lineup. I don't know if that's the the way to go this week, at least my my thinking. But I do like Cameron Young at 8,900. I didn't like him last week. He is such an aggressive player, especially off the tee. And there was so much danger lurking around TPC Southwind. There doesn't seem to be much going on here at Wilmington. Like you said, we could get into the 20s. I haven't seen an over-under on this course yet. But I fully expect it to be in the in the twenty and and above situation, and that will that will benefit him greatly. He can just go for it. Um, I like Max Homa at eighty five hundred. Uh, I would like Hideki Matsuyama, but I'm a little wary. I'm a little wary. What's going on with him? Yeah. So not not going to go there. Adam Scott was so impressive last week. You know, he just is a better putter. Then he's given credit for. I mean, maybe if he needs a three-footer to win the Open Championship against Ernie Els, maybe not. But but week in and week out, he's putting pretty well, and he putted great last week. And that takes us down to 8,000. Yeah, very much on the same page with you with those names. There aren't a ton of guys that I like here. I'll probably have some bigger price players than uh, lower price players this week as opposed to just a bunch of guys in the middle. I do like Shane Lowry. Again, didn't have a great week last week, but... He's one of these guys, and I'm looking for guys who haven't quite had their results match up to their expectations yet this year. I mentioned Morikawa. He's one of them. The fact that Shane Lowry has yet to win this year, you're looking at it going, he's really played well enough to win, and sometimes late in the year, this is just kind of what happens is somebody grabs a win just because the golf gods handed to him. Will Zalatoris has played great golf. At some point, his ball sits up on top of a rock wall, and he winds up winning a golf tournament just because the golf gods say uh, it's just his time and he's ready to go win. He's played well enough. So I do like Lowry. Max Homa, look, maybe a little TBC Potomac correlation this week. He won the Wells Fargo there a few months ago. Granted, uh, I expect very different weather conditions than they had that week. Aaron Wise, ooh, last week we were talking about Wise coming off a very poor ball striking performance in the final round at the Wyndham. He's coming off a very good ball striking performance this past Sunday actually led the field in Memphis in strokes gained approach shots in the final round. I really like Aaron wise. I I like him every week, but I especially like him this week. And then uh, I will mirror your thoughts on Adam Scott. I like him as well. Like the way he's playing. We are now joined by the hosts of the better golf podcast, Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar. These guys are golf betting experts and specialists in the finishing position markets here to provide their favorite top five, Top 10 and top 40 plays. Thank you, Jason. We are pumped as always to be back with the Action Network here to talk about the placement market. And we actually have a matchup or two on Spencer's side of the card here. I will kick us off. 
There's only 70 golfers in the field. I guess 69 now that uh, Cam Smith has withdrew. So very light card for me. Um, you kind of got to go up market into the top 20 market if you want to have some value. So I, it's, I don't know. I don't really like the top 20 market, but Spencer, I want your thoughts on the card. These are all the best prices in the market for them at the moment. Harold Varner, top 20, DraftKings is plus 250. I like everything about him besides current form. So the iron proximities look great. Par 5 and birdie or better percentage looks great. That's something that's going to be very important to me this week. And then moving on, Maverick McNeely, top 20 on FanDuel is plus 260. And Maverick McNeely, top 10, this was actually the best price in the market at BetMGM. Ties do pay in full there. That is plus 550. And then Luke List, top 40 on DraftKings at plus 110. What are your thoughts on Harold Varner, Maverick McNeely, and Luke List, and what matchup you got for us? You know, it's funny, Nick. Uh, We didn't talk about this before we went on to air, but if there was a top 40 matchup that I was going to recommend, and I agree with you, unfortunately, it's a very difficult market to enter into this week. If there was a top 40 uh, play I was considering, it would have been Luke List at plus 110. Uh, you may have talked me into playing this live on air right now. So I really like that play. As far as Varner goes, uh, my model likes all his upside metrics. Like we, you and I seem to talk about Harold Varner quite a bit on our podcast. And he's one of those golfers that I think if you are making wagers, a lot of times in a top 40 bet, he has a little bit too much volatility for what I care for. I think in a tournament like this, where you are getting a number, like you said, at plus 250 to move it into the top 20 range, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh you want to try to sell me a little bit on Maverick McNeely? Birdie or better in power five scoring and putting on bent grass greens. And his game seems to be ticking up a little bit. This was a guy that used to be, you know, like minus 150 to finish top 40, usually right around plus 200 to finish top 20. Obviously, this is a very stacked field and everything like that. I just like the buy low equity on Maverick McNeely and certainly in the DFS market as well. If, if no one's going to play him, he seemed to be chalk all year long and let people down. I don't know. I just I think his distance off the tee is going to be perfect to kind of cut off these corners, bomb and gouge a little bit. But it's the putting for me and the par five and birdie or better percentages for Maverick McNeely that I like a lot. I just think he's undervalued in the betting market. I don't. Expect him to finish top 10, but I had that priced at plus 500, so I got 50 points of value there and get the ties in full at BetMGM. So I really like that bet. I don't expect it to win, but the top 20 bet I feel pretty comfortable with for Maverick McNeely. Yeah, top 25 ranks for me when it comes to par 5 scoring and bent grass putting. You have to like that, and it's like you said, like the ties in full aspect definitely does help. Like Nick, you and I don't enter the top 10 market or even the top 20 market in most of these spots, but as a top 10 bet, I would want ties paid in full on that. So that's just something to keep in mind there. For whatever it's worth, he did have his best ball striking with the irons last week since the Valero Texas open. And that was in April. So I don't know. I'm buying the recent form. It's not anything special. He'd still only finished tied 31st at the FedEx St. Jude, but I don't know. I, some My model seems to really like whatever I laid out for this course or what that we're expecting it to be. It's really hard to handicap something we've never really seen. There's no history, anything like that. So again, take that for what it's worth. But I did have 40 points of value in the top 20 market and 50 on the top 10. 
That's a substantial total, and he's 12th for me in overall birdie or better percentage. So I think this is going to be a very easy course. I think this is going to be a venue where people can bomb and gouge left and right and create tons of birdie opportunities. So I'm not necessarily looking at a lot of those scrambling metrics. I know the greens are large, so three-putt comes into play a little bit, and it's very good across the board in all those numbers, but the birdie or better numbers, I, I certainly agree with you there. But I will give a head-to-head -head play. Uh, this is probably my favorite. I have five this week. Uh, you can hear the rest of them on better golf, but probably my favorite one of the mix is going to be Taylor Pendrith minus 110 over JT Poston. That is on DraftKings. I believe the market is presenting us with a spot where recent performances are boosting Poston's value in this sector. And the comparison I always use that ideally summarizes it would be that while the current form is worth looking deeper into for all the known reasons, the markets have already adjusted and oftentimes over adjusted to account for those showings. We see that in spades here on a golfer that doesn't have the statistical profile that would place him anywhere near this matchup if it weren't for his three straight top 21 finishes. And as I said, as much as some of that does come into play, it's the long-term mathematical information that doesn't provide me as much optimism. Poston ranks 64th in this field for weighted total driving. That falls to 67th out of 69 players if we include rough proximity to the mix. The irons aren't any better with him ranking 60th. And all those factors added together moved him into the zone where he failed to get himself out of the bottom five golfers for the BMW championship when it came to my projected tee to green performance for each player. Certainly the no cut aspect of the event does make all head-to-head -head wagers worse since we lose out on some of that missed cut equity that I always try to build into my model. You know, four days of golf makes things more complicated, but I thought this was off by about 50 points at the minus 110 price. And I would assume this number will continue to drift in the market as the week goes on. So there you have it. Pendrith over JT Poston, Harold Varner top 20, which again, um, and a no-cut event, I guess that's probably the best time to do anything with Harold Varner these days. Maverick McNeely top 20 and top 10, and Luke List top 40. Good luck to everybody this week, and we will kick it back to you, Jason. Seven thousands, some interesting names here, and unlike a lot of these weeks, a lot of these weeks we start getting into the seven thousands, getting into the six thousands, like where can we find somebody somewhere who can help us we got some pretty big names in the 7,000s and the 6,000s this week, Len. Yeah, and there are some names I like in the 7,000s because of who they are at their price. Uh, Brian Harmon, 7,700, showed again how, what, pound for pound, the best golfer on, on the PJ Tour, if they, do, if they do that sort of thing. You know, you think of him, he's not going to be able to keep up with the longer hitters. But like I said, there are at least half the holes on this course are kind of short holes. I think he can really make up ground there. And then those two behemoth par fives, they are so long that sort of counterintuitively, they bring the shorter hitters in because it's really not a two-shot hole for almost anybody. Yeah, some of the guys can get there in two, but uh, it, it, it's interesting. And I also, interestingly enough, saw how they made the 649-yard hole, 649 yards. Two years ago in August, they had a tornado roll through the course and it blew away a 250-year-old white oak, and that allowed them to add 60 yards to wow. this to this hole. They lost 300 trees in five minutes in a tornado. Mm. Good thing the PGA Tour is not going back there in August this time around. But uh, I'm interested to know, not to get too sidetracked, if they had already decided on Wilmington Country Club two, 24 months ago at this time uh, before that. And, and if they would have so. And that if that would have changed, you know, and if they would have still would have picked it without 300 trees, it did not look that tree -y 
in in the fly hour video that that I I looked at. So it just an, an aside. Two other guys in the lower seven thousand. Sahith Tagala at seventy three. Keegan Bradley at seventy two. Keegan Bradley's not been playing well lately. Very hard to pull the trigger. I think he's missed three of his last four cuts. But we all know his ball striking. And while he's not a very good putter, he's 13th on tour in three-putt avoidance. So he doesn't get down in one, but he doesn't get down a lot in three either. He's got a lot of twos. So, um, you know, those two guys I like as well. So I hit the goal. It just continues to impress. 13th, I think, last week again in, in, a, in an elite field. Yeah, I'm going to echo some of those names as well. I'm going to start. Uh, near the top of the 7,000s, Russell Henley at 7,800. Missed the cut last week. I was surprised by that. He'd been playing some really good golf with a couple of top 10s coming into that. But his ball striking is still very, very good. I think he's got a high floor on a regular basis. Keith Mitchell just, look, he's Keith Mitchell. Every single week, I think I've mentioned him, uh, and especially on a place where you can uh, pull the trigger and drive it really well. This is uh, could be right up his alley. The Gala is a guy that came on our radio show last week on PGA Tour Radio, and after he left, Michael Collins and I looked at each other and I said, he just looks like a superstar. I mean, if you knew nothing about golf and you just sat here in a chair and watched all these great players walk by you, you'd look at him and go, he's the best, right? He just looks like he's got confidence. He's got some swagger. I'm still all aboard the Sahith Thigala train. Now, I will admit, over his last four starts, the scoring average – in the first two rounds, has been 68.88, and the scoring average in the last two rounds on the weekends has been 71.33. He's got to figure that out. He's got to play a little bit better in the weekend rounds, but I do think that's still part of the learning curve. He'll get there. I've got Keegan Bradley written down. I think there's a very Keegan Bradley-ish golf course, and I uh, I think that's a nice play. I know he's not playing his best golf, but I, I do like Keegan this week, and I'll throw Denny McCarthy. The Maryland native should be in some familiar surroundings. Uh, not too far away in Delaware, and he's playing some good golf right now as well. All right, six thousands, Len. Uh, give me some low budget specials, and again, there are names we know in the six thousands this week. We're not digging for you know guys that we've never heard of before. Yeah, apparently Sepp Straka didn't do enough to impress the DraftKings uh, people. He's uh, still at sixty seven hundred dollars. He he, but but you know, I'm not necessarily taking him. In fact, I'm not picking him. Six straight. Cuts he missed, something like that going into last week. Crazy game, crazy game of golf. Alex Noren, 6,900. Um, he withdrew last week uh, with a neck injury. And I just said I'm staying away from Hideki because of his injury. But Hideki's been going on for a while now. I'm not sure what's going on with Noren. But in a perfect world, I would like him. Just a terrific, terrific putter. Sixth and three putt avoidance. Actually, first on tour in putting from 10 to 15 feet. Uh, it's going to take a lot to get into the top 30. Uh, if he is healthy, he could make a run for it. Wyndham Clark, we talk about him here all the time. The two big, you know, best clubs in his bag, driver and putter. That sounds like a good combination this week. He squeezed in last week, what, by three points or something over – it's like yeah. tantamount to one shot over 10 months. It's just crazy hard to get into the top 70. And he's 6,500. So that fulfills my 6,500 and under quota. But I'm going to go one more. Taylor Moore, 6,400. Fun fact, at the beginning of the year when Rotowire asks all the golf riders to come up with sleeper picks, uh, I picked Aaron Wise. 
but he was taken. So they made me go somewhere else. And I went to Taylor Moore and actually it worked out pretty well for a rookie to get into the top 70. I think there are seven or eight rookies, uh, incidentally, but he's been playing very well lately. And I like him to continue that, you know, and certainly the freedom of not having to worry about ma- making a cut. Yeah, so there are a lot of names that I like here in the 6,000s. I'll start with Chris Kirk, who I liked a lot last week, didn't play great, missed the cut. I will have a few lineups. We talk about sort of stacking in golf DFS, and the stack that I like this week is stacking guys who didn't have a good week last week. (laughs) Maybe it's a missed cut stack from last week and basically trying to prey on everybody with their recency bias and trying to go the other way on it. So I like Kirk. Emiliano Grillo has been much improved over the last couple of months. He's starting to play some really good golf. Mark Leishman at one point was leading the field in total birdies last week, but had a bunch of big numbers. I'm not even sure what to do with Leish at this point. I don't think I love him, but... Uh, look, if they're all going to make the cut anyway, and he's going to make a lot of birdies, maybe there's something to it. Trey Mullinax at a very, very low price, 6,200 for a guy who was in contention last week. Really like that. I'll give you three more names, 6,200 or less. Brendan Steele, good course for him. Alex Smalley, who's had a tremendous rookie season. I could see him having a really nice week and maybe even sneaking into that top 30, getting to the tour championship. And Kurt Kitayama. Another really good driver of the golf ball. I could see Kitayama up there this week at the minimum price for Kirk Kitayama. Yeah, sign me up. I kind of like that. So in any case, uh, exactly what I'm saying is that there are a lot of guys way down at the bottom that aren't necessarily our usual Monday qualifiers or uh, guys that are uh, just jumping into the tour for one week. These are guys who are very good players. They're in the top 70 for a reason because they've had a good season. And so uh, I don't mind chasing some of the guys near the bottom all right time to make our DraftKings lineup want to be a dfs millionaire you're just one lineup away we're gonna go nose to nose with him and you're gonna play better than you ever dreamed of because god damn it that's what i demand of you so let's get drafting glenn as always you're up first we can go a lot of different ways with it what are you thinking yeah, and with those low guys, I mean, we we don't have a cut again, obviously, and so we have the opportunity to really play. Get if if things start out slowly to play well, and you're going to get some scoring out of them on the weekend, no matter what. Incredible that Lucas Glover at 61 and JJ Spawn at 6,000. No love from last week from uh, the DraftKings people. You know, I'm having a hard time figuring out where to go, but uh, this is sort of a, a higher price play, but a safe play. I'm going to go with Tony Finau. He is just playing well. I don't think it matters the course. I don't think, I think he can, you know, it, we wouldn't associate him with birdies, but I think he's hitting the ball, striking the ball well enough, and he's not even 10,900. I like it. I got no problem with Tony Finau right now playing some of the best golf of his life. And again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but whether it's uh, the golf gods rewarding players or whether it's just, you know, you knock on the door enough times. At some point, you look at the playoffs as sort of a last chance for guys who have been playing well. Colin Morikawa has not been slumping this year. He's not had a bad year. His five top five finishes. He's third on the PGA Tour in strokes gained on approach shots. In fact, he's 30th in strokes gained off the tee. He's 75th in strokes gained putting. He's certainly well within the top half of the PGA Tour in putting this year. I liked him last week. I really like him this week. What you said there about uh, there being, what, eight? holes that were 450 yards or yeah. less yeah uh I, I that just plays into his hands the ball striking is really good right now i'm gonna throw more in there 
Yeah. And, and, you know, and these guys, they can, we've seen it. We've seen it in recent weeks with Russell Henley and Morikawa too. I mean, they're so good with their ball striking and their proximity is so good that that sort of makes their putting better in in a way because they're just so much closer to the hole. Uh, I don't know if this is going to get us into problem here, but I think I, I, you know, I want to go with another higher price guy, but all right, I, I'll, I'll save that. See what we have later on. I'm going to go all the way down to Keegan Bradley. We both like him. The, yeah, you know, you mentioned it that he's he's from the Northeast. This is a you know a Northeast track. I think it's very familiar setting for him. Not this particular course, but this type of environment, and I think it matches up really well for his game. And he will be low owned, as hard as it is to find low ownership in a no cut limited field, seventy two hundred. Yeah, I like that play. I think that's a nice little contrarian play. I don't think too many people are going to be jumping on Keegan Bradley this week, but he has shown that that area has been good to him. He won, remember, at Aronimink, uh at the 2018 BMW Championship, and so this could be another good one for him four years later. I'm going to stick with the guy who should be in familiar surroundings this week. I'm not going to suggest that, you know, oh, he's from Maryland, so Delaware is like right around the corner, and he should be there all the time, but he might just feel a little bit more like, hey, this is kind of homey for me. And he's also had a really good year, a little all or nothing right now. But Denny McCarthy is one of the best putters on the PGA Tour, doesn't get enough uh, credit for the way he's been swinging it. But uh, strokes gained in eight of his last 12 starts, strokes gained on approach shots with his irons. And so uh, I like the way that he's swinging it, always like the way he's putting it. I think Denny McCarthy's a nice play at 7,000. Yeah, and uh, be presumably it's sort of a home game. He'll, he'll maybe he'll get to see mom and dad on that trip. They'll come up or something to to see him. You would think. What do we got left here? How much? Sixteen seven eighty three fifty per man. Sixteen to eighty three. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go low here, and then just sort of give you almost the entire field here to uh, to to take us on home here. I guess I'm going to go. I guess I'm deciding between Wyndham Clark at 65 and Taylor Moore at 64. So uh, Wyndham Clark was very impressive last week, and he just might have had the biggest struggle there. I don't know how much more pressure he can face this week than he felt at the end of last week trying to get in. So maybe this is just house money this week. Wyndham Clark, 6,500, 20th on tour in strokes, gain putting. Uh, He could really surprise this week. I like that. Len, can I talk you into Taylor Moore? If you're going back and forth between the two of them, would you like Taylor Moore? Uh, you know what? I'm, I've reconsidered. There was a stat that I completely forgot about <laughs> that Taylor Moore uh, is a – well, they're both five-letter last names, so that doesn't but, work. Taylor Moore, $6,400. The only reason I say it, because that stat might have been some addition and subtraction – uh, with Wyndham Clark, you would have left me 10200 I don't mind Justin Thomas. I said I like Will Zalatoris. I can find players up there. You take Taylor Moore at 6400 there, it leaves me exactly 10300 and I can throw John Rahm into that lineup. Ah, okay. I really like Rahm this yep. weekend. So I, I just, if if you were going back and forth on Moore and, and Clark anyway, if you said, look, I love Clark, I don't like Moore, fine. But if you're going back and forth anyway, let's get the big fella John Rahm into this lineup. A little uh, daddy bump. He is a dad for the second time. And um, look, it's worked well for him in in previous situations like this. So I think coming off that fifth place finish last week could be a really good week for Rom. We've got 
Keegan Bradley, Tony Finau, Denny McCarthy, Taylor Moore, Colin Morikawa, John Rom. I really like that, Len. Yeah, and the more now that we've talked it through, I think this is definitely the go- way to go this week. I think the winner is going to come from one of these big names. We've got three of them in there. You probably there's no way to get four. Three is very hard to do. We did it. The bad guys, how bad can they do playing all four rounds? I think that's the the primary way to construct your lineup this week. Uh, big big guns. Absolutely, I'll have a lot of those big guns and a lot of my lineups. Good luck to you guys with your lineups and. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Links and Locks podcast. Remember, you can find this podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Download, rate, subscribe, and listen every single week for Lynn Hochberg. I'm Jason Sobel. Again, good luck with those DFS lineups for this week's BMW Championship. Here's hoping you hit the green. <laughs> <laughs>